I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig with details. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the wind down tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Is everyone in your family right-handed? Yeah, everyone in my immediate family, but both my grandparents were left-handed. Uh, interesting. Mm-hmm. My mom is a southpaw, but mm-hmm. everybody else, I think, normal, non-demonic. <laughs> <laughs> Normal. <laughs> uh, oh my goodness. Yeah. My mom's the only freak in my family. Mm. Very untrue. <laughs> we all got it from her. Oh shit. Hi mom. <laughs> Hi mom. <laughs> well, closer and closer we get to Halloween. It's uh, speaking of demons. Yeah, uh, all the left-handed people come out on Halloween. <laughs> And they feel they blend in. They feel maybe I'll dress up as left handed this year. That would really creep people out. Kids would come up on the porch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would hand them candy with my left hand and they'll scream we'll like, and run away. Ah, what a freak of yes. nature. <laughs> it's one of those costumes. You think everything's normal and then boo. <laughs> left hand. I just, think you're the laziest 
costume I've seen all day. <laughs> I also wouldn't be able to do it very well. My left hand is useless. <laughs> Completely. I can do nothing with my left hand. Uh, I can't write with my left hand. But yeah. I feel like I do other things with it. I mean, I type with it. Yeah, I was going to say, it does the left I mean, do stuff with side it. of the keyboard. Yeah. Okay. Um, or a game controller, you know, just, like it doesn't just hang there. No, <laughs> like no, I don't let it atrophy. <laughs> but if you if you were like, quick, use your left hand to accomplish this basic task, uh-huh, right. or the world will end. Oh, like I'm very sorry, everyone, but we had a good run. <laughs> <laughs> we had a good run. <laughs> That's it. Oh That's my goodness! It. I do when I paint my nails. When I paint my right hand, it's uh-huh. markedly worse. Yeah. <laughs> I paint my left hand. You know, it's just not a side of my brain that I exercise very much. No, I, I do feel like it's probably something you can, with a concerted effort, learn. Don't you sure, think? to do be a ambidextrous, degree. maybe. I don't I think, know. Maybe I don't know. it's really hard. I feel like those, whatever those neurons, those nerves, those signals mm-hmm. are already like hardened into place at my age. <laughs> like I don't think. Hardened into place. Yeah, there's no flexibility in like the signals my brain is sending at this point. Eli's brain is hard as a rock. Yeah. (laughs) Definitely. Point is. Unimportant. It's Halloween. Almost. It's Friday. Uh, Feeling good. Feeling spooky. Mm -hmm. That means we've got two more recryptulous stories to tell you. And we have a. Great one for you today. Oh, I love this. Very excited about this one. The year is 1324. The Ooh. place, Ireland. Ooh. Spooky. <laughs> <laughs> Dame Alice Kidler was on her fourth husband, and all her stepchildren were pissed at her for getting all of their various dad's money after they died. Mm. But when her fourth husband started getting mysteriously ill, they decided Alice was disposing of her husbands in the most expedient way she could. With the help of a demon, of course. Oh, of course. But it was her maid, Petronella de Meath, who would suffer most from their accusations. Let's hear about Dame Alice Kittler, the first recorded person to be condemned for witchcraft in Ireland. Ooh, let's go. Hey there, friends. Come listen well. Eli and Diana say welcome to hell. There's no matchmaking or romantic tips. It's just about corpses who are lying in crypts. A lover might be any type of monster at all. A ghoul, a ghost, or a demonic doll. But if there's a spirit worth a second chance, we'll put it in our show, Recryptulous Romance. <laughs> the production of I Have Radio. Alice Kittler was born in 1263 in Kilkenny County, Ireland. Kilkenny County. Her family were well-to-do merchants, and she made a good marriage in 1280 to William Outlaw. What? I know, I love it. Another wealthy merchant and moneylender. A moneylender named Bill Outlaw? (laughs) Sure, yeah, I'll borrow some money from Bill Outlaw. Uh... Where'd this money come from, Bill Outlaw? No reason, just asking. No questions asked. Okay. Goes both ways, sir. (laughs) They had one son together, also named William Outlaw, because that's a pretty cool name. Sure. I I understand why you might want to pass that one on. Little Bill Jr. Bill Outlaw Jr. And they possibly had a daughter named Rose as well, but that's not certain. Okay. But after only five years together, Papa Outlaw died. 
And Alice and her son inherited all his money and property, opened a tavern called Kittler's Inn, which is still in operation today. And they were on their own for a few years, until 1302 when she married her second husband, Adam Blunt, another moneylender. He had children from a previous marriage, like Alice, so they had like a Brady Bunch situation going on. (laughs) (laughs) Nice combined mixed family going on. Okay. Now, their marriage did start off a little rocky. It's not recorded exactly why, but there must have been some mysterious circumstances surrounding William Outlaw Sr.'s death because Alice and Adam faced brief accusations of murdering him together. But... They both had some powerful friends in the area. The accusations didn't stick and they didn't last long. Mm -hmm. Alice's son, William Outlaw, was declared an adult in 1303, and he even became the mayor of Kilkenny in 1305. Mm. Now, he and his mother participated in the family business of money lending, with William declaring in 1303 that he was guarding 3,000 pounds of their money. Now, this is a time when a day's wage for a laborer was between one and one and a half pennies uh, per day. Damn, That's all 3, most pounds. guys would make. Yeah, and he's got 3,000 pounds. I love this penny and a half. I know, <laughs> like, right. Imagine go, getting your raise. Your half-penny raise. Ha-penny. Mole, put on your best hat. I got my half-penny raise today. <laughs> We're going down to the pub to celebrate. Oh, finally, a man worth some money. <laughs> a man of substance. I told Ma. <laughs> I told yeah. Ma one day. He'd get that half-penny raise. <laughs> He's like, drink are on me. It's just one drink. We're all going to share it. We'll split a glass, please. (laughs) Okay, so the money lending, the merchant trade business, this was booming. Yes. Now, Alice's combined little family, the outlaws and the blunds, Mm -hmm. they were doing all right. Mm -hmm. They had a whole life of prosperity. They were living large. Yeah, doing fine. Until around 1307, when Adam Blund died. (gasps) Alice's stepchildren were dismayed to discover that their father had signed over all his money, jewels, and property to his stepson, William Outlaw. What? And canceled all William's debts to him. Oh. Alice and William would get everything. Oh, no. The Blundy Bunch were suspicious. (laughs) Right. (laughs) They said, this don't smell right. Why would their father leave no provision for them in favor of a non-blood relation? Did they suck? I know, right? Maybe they sucked. I mean, maybe they sucked. Because, I mean, maybe they sucked because no moves were made against Alice (laughs) quite yet. So they were like, Dad had a lot of reasons to hate each and every one of us. (laughs) I'm writing you out of me, Will, and I'm giving it all to me stepson. Yes, (laughs) me money's all going to the outlaws. The knives out situation where he's right? like, you know what, actually, <laughs> I don't suck. like any of y'all. <laughs> now, by 1309, Alice had married her third husband, Richard Duvall. Okay. He was a wealthy landowner in County Tipperary. I hope he was in better health. <laughs> I was just like, can I get a checkup before I marry again? All right. I mean, a twice widowed woman. Maybe there's no suspicion because a lot of times it doesn't say how old any of these guys were. Right, but right. I was like, surely she married older men. Probably. Especially her first husband. Because yeah. that's just common at the time. Right. So maybe it was like, well, whatever. They were probably old enough to be your father. And he eventually <laughs> died just like normal shit. Oh, husbands die all the time. <laughs> 
Now, in her marriage with Richard Duvall, she gained a few more stepchildren, hmm. including her new husband's eldest, also named Richard Duvall. Oh, geez. Not a lot of originality in their naming. It's like it's like uh, Targaryens. <laughs> no, right? It's so confusing, though. We've got seven names, and we just try and cycle through them. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but reboots and sequels with these guys. <laughs> and it was Richard Jr. who would kick off the trouble with Alice. Because when Papa Duvall passed away in 1316... Of course. We all predicted he would... <laughs> Alice decided to use the legal system against the Duvall children to get her widow's dower. Oh. Now, a widow's dower is basically money that a wife is entitled to in order to support herself after her husband's death. Sure. And that's kind of in case he, he forgot to make a will and didn't make any provision for mm -hmm. her so that she would normally inherit whatever he wanted her to. Yeah. So usually the default widow's dower was about one-third of the husband's estate. Okay. Now, clearly... Alice had not gotten Papa Duval to sign everything over to her or her son, William Outlaw, by the time he died. So she had to take it up with the courts. But this might have been a mistake on her part because Duval's children, particularly Richard Jr., were furious about this. Without her interference, they would have inherited their father's money and property. Mm -hmm. But Alice managed to snatch it up through the legal system. Mm -hmm. And she wasn't worried. She got her dower and she just moved right on. In fact, she married again in the same year, this time to a man named John Lepore, P-O-E-R. <laughs> but was... he was not John Lepore. He was not Lepore. No. He was very the rich. The rich. <laughs> <laughs> and he also had some children of his own from a previous marriage. So she's got so many stepchildren man, at this point. I mean. This is the modern family I'd like to watch. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now, by now, Alice is 53 years old, so mm -hmm. she doesn't need to be married for the traditional reasons, right? She's got her own money. She runs her own business with her son, William. Mm -hmm. She's comfortably established, and she's past childbearing age. But who's to I say? Mean, she might have just sure. wanted some companionship. Of course, she might have met this guy, and he was super charming, and she loved him. Yeah. That's perfectly reasonable. Why not? Happens all the time. Exactly. She could just want someone's hand to hold in her golden years mm -hmm. and feed the pigeons with <laughs> or something. <laughs> but it was hella suspicious to everyone when John, a few years into their marriage, started getting sick. Oh, no. He was weak and emaciated. His hair and nails were falling out. Oh. These were symptoms of arsenic poisoning. Uh-oh. And he started complaining to his children about his health. He even confided his suspicions that maybe Alice is poisoning me right now. Damn. But even so, shortly before his death in 1324, he changed his will to favor Alice and her son, William Outlaw, cutting out his other children completely. Whoa. So the Lepores decided to reach out to the Duvalls and the Blundy Bunch and say, hey, you know... Y'all don't have any reason to think that your stepmom killed your dads, do you? And, of course, they all had the same exact <laughs> reason. Yes, they're like, absolutely. <laughs> we all have the same reason. I wasn't going to say it, <laughs> but yes. <laughs> yes, it's a matter 100%. of fact. hundred percent. I think she did kill him. <laughs> because only Alice and her son William profited from their deaths. So the stepchildren decided that Alice was a cold-blooded killer. 
and she was marrying and discarding wealthy husbands so that she and her son could get rich. Oh, the Irish Black Widow. That's right. Ooh. So, what do you do when an older woman crosses you and it's the 1300s? Well, there's one obvious course of action. You accuse her of witchcraft, of course. <laughs> Duh. Duh. No brainer. <laughs> now, we should note that men and women back then were being accused of witchcraft. Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't as much of a gendered term then as it is now. Still predominantly fell on women. Mm -hmm, definitely. Um, yeah, but was it was not exclusively uh, a term referring to women. Now, all these stepchildren decided that Alice had been using some kind of sorcery to attract Ooh. her husbands and get them to sign over all their worldly property to her and her son. But at the time, witchcraft actually had different connotations. Now, paganism might have been largely stamped out by this point, but it still had strong roots. And for medieval people, witchcraft was not only real, but it was actually pretty important. Like poor people who couldn't afford doctors would rely on medicines that were made by, quotes, good witches uh, <laughs> through their work with herbalism and what they called white magic. But those witches were also like a convenient scapegoat when something went wrong. So right. even though they're like, oh, I'm feeling ill. Oh, no, I better go down and see the witch and see what they've got for me to take. And then they take something and they're like, oh, I don't feel so good now. Or I, you know, oh, that. I got now I got diarrhea. That witch, she cursed me. <laughs> and you know. she's like, that's what the posset's supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. It's getting out all the stuff that's yeah. making you feel bad. <laughs> shitting out all those poison berries you ate, you dumbass. <laughs> so you never knew. Being a witch, people love you one day, people hate you the next day. Sounds a lot like being a podcaster. <laughs> Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, real, real witchy stuff going on. They're really coming after us. Real witch hunts. But according to HistoryIreland.com, the accusation of witchcraft was usually treated as pretty much a petty criminal offense. Mm -hmm. So the kids in accusing her are probably thinking, you know, Alice will have to go pay some fines. She'll give us some of our money back. And then maybe she'll spend a year or two in jail. Worst case scenario. Yeah. Just a cute little witchcraft accusation. Everybody does it. No problem. Mm -hmm. But the attitude toward witchcraft was taking a hard turn, led by the church. Ooh. And we will find out more about that right after this commercial break. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought... In that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. 
Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation. I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating. And a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, witches. Now, for a long time, the church actually had no official position on magic. Oh. Um, it just didn't believe magic existed. Oh, okay. It was okay. like, yeah, it's just some folk rituals and uh-huh. superstitions, nothing serious. Who cares? Wait, you're telling me that the <laughs> church didn't like something, so they just pretended it didn't exist? Sure. <laughs> Hard to believe, I know, but that's what they did. All right. So it wasn't until the late 13th century that they began to view magical rituals with suspicion. Pope Alexander IV decided in 1258 that the church should probably handle all accusations of witchcraft because it smacked of heresy. Ah. So it shouldn't be left to secular They hate heresy. It is like the thing they hate the most. It's the number one thing they hate. Mm -hmm. And that actually paved the way for the Inquisition. Witchcraft started to be tied to Satan worship. Um, People started to believe that witches got their powers from demons that they would call into the physical realm and then bind to them in various ways. And that's how they got their power. You're telling me that the church didn't like something, so they decided to say that it was Satan worship. I hate to lob wild accusations (laughs) at the church, but in this case, Uh, Yeah, it's very clear that that's exactly what they did. (laughs) I guess that this would be the only time they ever did that. Just the once, though. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They they really learned from this one. Yeah. Now, even though the Inquisition wouldn't really heat up 
pun intended, for another century or so, there were some adherents to church law who were very enthusiastic about prosecuting these witchcraft charges, Mm. including the guy Alice's stepchildren took their accusations to, the Bishop of Ossory, Richard Ledred. Ledred. Wow, between him and the outlaws, everybody's just really (laughs) living up to their names here. (laughs) Richard Ledred had been made a bishop Thanks to Pope John the Twenty Second, was it Twenty Second? Is that real? Is there then that been that many Johns? Uh, yeah. Okay. It's Pope John the Twenty Second. Now that's what I call Pope Twenty Two. <laughs> <laughs> well, Pope John was real scared of witches because back when John was just a bishop, someone had tried to assassinate him using poison and sorcery, <laughs> or probably just poison. Is my guess. <laughs> So he was convinced that witches were out to get him. He told everyone that under his watch, witchcraft was heresy and the inquisitors should investigate any charges of witchcraft using any means necessary. If anyone was caught studying, practicing, or even talking about using witchcraft, they would be excommunicated. Now Richard Ledred was like drooling about this. This sounded, (laughs) oh, yes, Pope John the 22nd, yes, say more. There can be no stone unturned for order. So he was 100% on board, and he was this really overzealous kind of guy, total teacher's pet, right? Mm -hmm. And he believed in the ultimate authority of the church and their right to apply their authority with whatever force they wanted. Mm. So when Richard Jr. and all the other stepchildren came to him with their accusations, they were like, hey, our stepmom's a witch. Why don't you go slap her on the wrists? <laughs> Ladred was more than ready to help prosecute her and anyone in her orbit to the full extent of the law. That's right. And this included all of the servants who worked at Kittler's Inn. They were seen as followers of Alice mm-hmm. Kittler. They laid out seven accusations against Alice. One, denying the power of Christ and of the church. Because during this period in history, if you were not, like if you renounced your faith or you said you were questioning anything, you were basically seen as shifting toward devil worship. Whoops. It was like you were with God or you were with the devil. There's no other place for you to go. Wow. Number two. Cutting up animals to scatter at crossroads as sacrifices to demons. I kind of wonder about this one because surely they saw some like animal parts at crossroads. I don't think they necessarily did. I guess I not. think they could have just said it. They could have just said it. Yeah. I who's mean, gonna, who's checking? Yeah. Oh, we already cleaned it up. Right. <laughs> Three, having sex with the incubus, Robin or Robert Artisan. This is a demon. Oh. The incubus was a demon. The incubus's name is Robert? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And I, I'm the evil demon, Bob. (laughs) That's why I love Robin, because it's a derivative of Robert. And I'm like, I guess he's like Robin. My father was Robert. (laughs) I'm Robin. Now, this demon took the form of a cat, a shaggy dog, or a black man. Oh. Usually depicted as Aethiopus, the mystical 
uh, founder of Ethiopia. Okay. They were like, we need to make sure there's some racist shit in here, too. (laughs) It's been a while since we've been racist. I imagine that they're talking to... They're talking to Richard the Dread, and they're like, and and the demon, sometimes he would show up as a cat. And Richard the Dread's like, uh-huh. And they're like, uh, oh, oh, sometimes it was a shaggy dog. Uh-huh. Got anything else? Um, sometimes he would be a black man. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Number four. Stealing the church keys and holding secret coven meetings with her followers at night, including her maid, Petronella Demeath, and many others. Burning candles without permission, a heinous crime, (laughs) and holding rituals to undermine and or overpower the church. Five. Asking demons for advice on witchcraft. (laughs) No asking. If you're going to do it, you better do it yourself. Alice is like, well, who am I supposed to ask? (laughs) I'll still have dear, dear Abaddon. (laughs) My son and I are having a bit of a spat. And the sixth accusation laid against Alice, bewitching and killing her husbands to take their money for herself. And her son, William Outlaw. It's right there in his name. (laughs) That one seems like the most obvious charge. Probably the (laughs) most legit charge of the seven. She definitely tried to kill. She definitely killed at least one of those guys and probably all of them. (laughs) I think she did do it. Speculation station. Speculation station. (laughs) Nothing. She fucking did that shit. (laughs) Damn. Okay. All right. All right. Gloves are off. (laughs) We're out of the train now. Okay. And the seventh and final accusation was that she and her followers had placed the intestines and internal organs of roosters, worms, Nails cut from dead bodies and the hair from the buttocks and clothes of boys who had died before being baptized. Mixed all of these in the decapitated skull of a robber and then created potions that incited people to love, hate, kill, and afflict Christians. Wow. Incredible stuff. What a... What an ingredients list. Can you mean, imagine showing real. up at the farmer's market with that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. I need some roosters. Okay, you've got chickens. That's fine. That's fine. Um, how about some worms? Okay, maybe bait shop kind of stuff. Um, you got any nails cut from dead bodies? While you're on those bodies, <laughs> will you flip over to the buttocks? Get me some of the hair. Yeah, I need butt hair from an unbaptized boy's butt cheek. <laughs> Eye of newt. <laughs> Toe of frog. Hair of an unbaptized boy's butt cheek. <laughs> and a little cardamom. <laughs> For flavor. For flavor. Yeah, in fact, some of those ingredients were actually immortalized in William Butler Yeats' poem, 1919. So let's hear that section with just a quick stop in Poetry Corner. But now wind drops, dust settles. Thereupon there lurches past his great eyes without thought under the shadow of stupid straw-pale locks. That insolent fiend, Robert Artisan, 
to whom the lovelorn Lady Kittler brought bronzed peacock feathers, red combs of her cocks. Uh, he's like saying roosters, but what I mean is, she's got people's dicks in her hands. She did do it with this guy, also. Yeah. Also, I love he's like stupid blonde haired Robert. <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, why would he so? This, this ragging on this Bob Demon guy. has ugly blonde hair. <laughs> That's so rude. <laughs> Well, that was sexy stuff for Ledred. Mm -hmm. He proceeded to immediately call for Alice's arrest. He wrote to the King Chancellor in Ireland, citing the Decretal Ut Inquisitionis from 1298, and this stated that for the protection of the faith, secular powers needed to obey bishops and arrest any accused and deliver them into the power or prisons of the bishops. Now, HistoryIreland.com writes, quote, Ledred quoted this decretal on every possible occasion. Therein lay the seeds of conflict. Because the secular powers, which was like the legal system in Ireland, they didn't think that they should have to arrest anyone simply on the word of the bishop, right? Yeah. There's some church and state battle going on exactly. here. Exactly. And the true struggle here wasn't really about Alice at all. It was actually about how much authority the church should have over the law. And unfortunately for Ledred, the chancellor he wrote to was Roger Outlaw, <laughs> Alice's first husband's brother. <laughs> and he was actually on Alice's side. I guess he didn't think she killed his brother or he didn't like him. Or Either way, care. yeah, he didn't it was care. enough that it was like, that's my family and who the fuck are you? Yeah, it worked out so that instead of immediately arresting Alice like Ledred wanted, Roger told him to go kick rocks. <laughs> He's like, nobody, I don't want to hear from you again, okay? (laughs) You and your silly hat can go elsewhere. (laughs) Yes, right. (laughs) Now, obviously, Ledred is like, no, I'll never drop this case. Our immortal souls are in peril, and I demand you hand over the witch, Alice Kittler, in the name of the Pope. (laughs) Daddy John, I mean, Pope John the 22nd. This guy loved that Pope. And the Pope loved him back. Oh, yeah. (laughs) They were just birds of a feather. They had a good thing going on. (laughs) So Roger Outlaw's like, okay, okay, sure thing. Let me do that. Oh, whoopsie doodle. Turns out there's nothing Roger can do until he held a public prosecution, excommunicated all the accused witches, and also let 40 days go by. (laughs) Roger was like, I'm reading through everything. <laughs> Sorry. It says right here, section 32, uh-huh. appendix 9, <laughs> subsection 54A. But ink was probably still wet on it because he, like, <laughs> he had written it out first. Uh-huh. <laughs> so Ledred's like, okay, fine. And he s- immediately sent a summons for Alice to appear before him for judgment. Mm. But Alice had already fled from Kilkenny probably to Dublin, Mm. likely to Roger Outlaw's own house. Oh, shit. (laughs) So on the day that Alice was supposed to appear, Roger sent advocates to Kilkenny in her place to speak on her behalf. Okay. But even though she wasn't there, Ledred followed the legal procedure to the letter and excommunicated Alice and also charged her son, William Outlaw, with heresy, as well as harboring and protecting heretics. Damn. 
And he announced a date when William would also have to appear before him, you know, to be judged and excommunicated. Mm -hmm. But Ladred should maybe have done his homework because the seneschal, a.k.a. the leading legal official, Mm -hmm. a.k.a. the head bitch in charge, was Arnold Lepore, (laughs) another powerful friend of the Kittler. No way. (laughs) Her, like, fourth husband's relative? Yeah. Wow. Well, if I just marry everyone in town, I'll I'll be relatives with everyone. Everyone will be in my family and they cannot speak (laughs) against me in the court of law. Damn, Alice was thinking ahead. She's real canny. Uh (laughs) Now, unlike Roger, Arnold did not respond to Ladred with legal runarounds. Instead, he just arrested the bishop and (laughs) imprisoned him until William's court date had passed. (laughs) Gotcha. Arnold was like, I tolerate no bitches. Damn. (laughs) I meant bishops, excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) Man, the Lepores, they don't fuck around. No. Now, History Ireland explained that this was actually a pretty dangerous move for Arnold to pull because there was an 1139 ecclesiastical law forbidding the laying of violent hands on monks or clerics. And only the pope himself could absolve someone of this crime because it was so serious. So Ladred decided to make sure that he had every single receipt Uh for this little transgression. When the sheriff, Stephen Lepore, another Lepore. No family affairs going on. (laughs) Uh, When he arrived with his men, Ladred took the warrant and he showed it to everyone present. And he said, excuse me, do you recognize the seal on the warrant as belonging to Arnold Lepore? Just want to get some witnesses here. Mm -hmm. This is Arnold's warrant, right? You see it. You see it. I see it. Okay. And then he put the warrant in his pocket so that he could use it to prove Arnold's offense in court. When Sheriff Stephen Lepore suggested that he simply pay the medieval equivalent of bail, Ladred refused. Because, you see, that would have been an admission that Arnold was entitled to arrest him. Mm. It's like when you apologize for something and it's like you're admitting it's that like you, you did wrong. You did it, yeah. So then, once Ladred was in jail, he placed his diocese under interdict. And this meant that as long as he was imprisoned, no marriages burials or baptisms could happen under his diocese. Mm -hmm. Like his whole area was like, I'm freezing funerals. You ain't getting baptized. Tell your babies that I'm so sorry, (laughs) but they're not going to heaven until I get out of jail. (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) You got a problem? I'll tell you who to take it up with. (laughs) And this was a real problem because medieval people had a total and absolute belief in hell. Yeah. So this is a really serious thing to have this interdict. They're fully afraid that like a baby could die unbaptized and burn in hell, that they could be buried without their last rites or something like, you know, they're very scared. Yeah. Now, Ladred also decided to have the host brought to him. And in case you're like me and you're not Catholic and you had no (laughs) idea what this meant, (laughs) the host is unleavened bread that represents the body of Christ. I know in some churches they take it very literally. Yep. And they, they that's when you take communion, right? Yes. Is when you get some in your mouth and it's yep. the body of Christ and the blood of Christ with the wine. Yeah. And transubstantiation is that that this bread is quite literally Jesus's body. Yes. And this wine is quite literally, literally. Jesus's blood. Right. Um, now, Ladred had this 
Superbread brought to him. And by having it with him in prison, he was literally saying that Lepore was imprisoning Jesus. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, maybe a thing that medieval people didn't like. Yeah. <laughs> and Arnold Lepore didn't like it either. <laughs> he said, you little bitch. Uh-huh. So Arnold, you know, Arnold's not going to take that line down. No. He decided instead to send a crier around town <laughs> like, hey, I've got this really annoying bishop in custody. Anyone else got a complaint they'd like to make about Richard Ledred, <laughs> Bishop of Ossery? Come on over and sign my petition on change.org. <laughs> I'm collecting complaints about this asshole. <laughs> I mean, he probably did want to have like a pile of evidence against yeah. him so that he could be like, this guy's, over. you know, you need to just kick him out 100% right. out of my place. Right, and right. Out of my face. And William Outlaw, who was probably, you know, having some personal feelings about how Ledred was coming after him <laughs> yeah. and his mom, uh, he went digging and found an old accusation against Richard Ledred that had already been, like, canceled and quashed out and okay. irrelevant now. So William had it written out nice and fresh, and uh -huh. then he rubbed his shoes on it to make it look aged again, oh, which wow. I just think is funny that he went to all that trouble. That's some real props work. He <laughs> was like, I need him to be able to read it, but also like, uh -huh. <laughs> it has to look old. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so then he brought this old complaint to Arnold Lepore and said the bishop should have to answer these charges in a secular court. Mm. And Ledred was like, no, I don't have to do a damn thing unless it's in front of the king of England. And even then, I don't have to answer the charges of any excommunicated man. Oh. So finally, Arnold sent his own uncle, who was also a bishop, to release Ledred from prison He'd only been in there 17 days. Okay. <laughs> it's not like he was there for a year. 17 like of the most annoying <laughs> days of, of Arnold LaForge's life. life. <laughs> <laughs> Arnold's like, oh, I got to get rid of this guy. <laughs> but Ledred refused to leave. <sighs> Saints preserve us. <laughs> <laughs> he said, quote, it will not do for a bishop imprisoned for his faith in Christ to walk out of this prison as if he were a thief or murderer. Wow. Which I just love that he's acting like he was imprisoned for his faith in right. Christ instead yeah. of being like a total annoying. Yeah, like, it's jerk like manipulating the law to do his shit. Yeah. <laughs> instead, Richard sent for all his vestments and he walked out of his cell in his full. Bishop Regal. Oh, he wanted people to see. Oh, yeah. They locked up a bishop. Oh, yeah. He, he knew the power of theater. Yeah. Now, as soon as he was free, Ledred immediately summoned Alice and William to answer for their heresy. But he was tripped up by a royal writ arriving, and it demanded that he come to Dublin and explain just why you put your diocese on an interdict. Oh as well as to answer complaints that Arnold Lepore had made against him. Now, Ledred tried to get out of it by sending a proctor in his place, saying that, well, in order to get to Dublin, I'd have to go through Arnold Lepore's lands, and I'm afraid for my safety. He's been very mean to me. But his excuse was not accepted. He said, pick up your skirts and get over here. His ecclesiastical superior lifted his interdict. Oh. On his diocese, he said, we're getting the we're getting the babies baptized again. Mm -hmm. Enough of this That's shenanigans. Right. And you're like, calm down, Richard, get back to work. 
But old Richard Ledred was very stubborn, and he would not let this issue go. Honestly, at this point, probably because it was just so personal. Yes, like he I think- hated Allison Williams so much. Like, oh, they got me locked up. Mm-hmm. People be laughing at me. He is humiliated by them. Oh I think. yeah, yeah. His ego was bruised, very bruised, and he had a very, very large ego. <laughs> yes, and he wanted to make sure that Allison William regretted crossing him. Mm. He may have lost the battle, but there would be more. And we'll talk about all that right after this commercial break. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle. And I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Hey, 
Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the show, you heretics. (laughs) So, Richard Ledred decided to just stir up some shit. Sure, he loves that. He loves doing that. So as soon as Arnold Lepore's court was in session in Kilkenny, Ladred showed up uninvited in his full bishop outfit, carrying the host and the uh, inquisitionis decretal that he loved so much. Wow. And he was accompanied by a bunch of monks and like his entire cathedral chapter. Basically Jeez. just brought his whole squad along and was real, really feeling himself and uh-huh. forced his way into Arnold's court. Oh, my God. Arnold was not amused. <laughs> <laughs> he ordered the bishop's ejection, calling him, quote, an ignorant, low-born vagabond from England. Wow. And he also told the bishop that he should face his own criminal trial for all these shenanigans and church overreach. Yeah. Which I think was the real issue for Arnold. Yeah. I think less so was he really that worried about Alice. Right. And more he was like, this is none of your fucking business. Right. What are you doing here? I got a county to run here. I'm trying to keep the law in order. Mm -hmm. And you're coming in here with your insanity and your magic books. Kicking dirt all over me. Right. And you're you're English. (laughs) And you're English on top of that. And you're English. Get out of my country. Uh Uh-huh. Then Ladred held up the host, saying, Whoa, 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 that Christ should be said to stand at the bar. A thing unheard of since he stood trial before Pontius Pilate. <laughs> the drama. <laughs> I love him holding a loaf of bread in the air and being like, How dare you do this to Jesus? <laughs> Not since oh. Pontius Pilate. Oh, my God. I mean, dude, this guy should have just been for the stage. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, <for real. laughs> He was playing this part to the hilt. Oh, my God. Then he also, he pulled out his decretal, and he's like, Arnold, I know you can read a little, <laughs> but I'll read this out loud just so there's no confusion, and you can't act like you didn't know what I was talking about later. Damn. And Arnold's like, <laughs> did this, not like that. Like this battle they're doing. <laughs> For, this is like a full on. Re- I feel like everyone there was probably just like <laughs> looked like they were at a tennis match. And yeah, were like back there, and forth. there, there, there. <laughs> this bookies they're taking bets. You know, <laughs> <laughs> this is the coolest courtroom ever. <laughs> I got a day's wage on the bishop. All right, that's one and a half pennies on the bishop. <laughs> A day's wage, what a fool! <laughs> but we'll be rich if we win! Seamus, do a happening, I beg of you! <laughs> so Arnold was like, Oh, eat shit, I know how to read. <laughs> <Motherfucker>. <laughs> 
got really mad and told him, quote, take your decretals to church and preach your sermons there. Wow. Before trying to have him forcibly removed. Oof. But Ladred was carrying the host. So any assault on him was also an assault on the body of Christ. Oh, my God. So eventually, Ladred left on his own after ordering one more time that Arnold Lepore arrest Alice Kittler and William Outlaw. This this relic, this this bread of invulnerability, like you can't touch <laughs> me as long as I'm holding this piece of bread. I know. Is outrageous. I mean. All respect to anyone's religious beliefs. There's nothing right. wrong with that. It's just this idea that he can just carry it with him wherever he goes and that makes him untouchable. Come I know, on. but I had to wonder because they, they also mentioned that in order to arrest someone, you had to actually play, like the sheriff had to place his hand on the horse's bridle or put his staff on them. Uh-huh. And that was how you arrested someone. Sure, lots of rituals. So I'm like, sure, there's a lot of symbolism in, little, in things. And I guess it was important for people to take that pretty literally yeah. so that you could actually have those agreements right. without having anything written down and stuff. Uh-huh. But like... Come on, it's a loaf of bread. Like, what if he just left it and forgot? Like, he leaves the church <laughs> oh, and he's like, oh, I left the host. Where's my Let's p- stop by a bakery really quick and <laughs> <laughs> grab a wafer. Like, he could just get any bread and say. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's what Arnold is like. The bishop could say anything. Right. And this guy's clearly, he has a personal vendetta at yeah. this point. Yeah. Like, so even if Alice did kill some folks, she should face justice. But come on, man. Like, any bishop could name anyone. And right. I would just have to stand aside. And like, without any complaint, that's not cool. Like some kind of witch hunt? <laughs> like some kind of witch hunt? Well, at this point, Alice Kittler sued Ledred for defamation of character and for excommunicating her, even though she hadn't been present. And the bishop was summoned to the court in Dublin once again. But once again, Richard Ledred said, no, I'm sending a proctor in my stead. He'll explain my case. He wouldn't show up in Dublin until he was sure that he had support. And finally, he got his wish when he received a royal letter summoning him to appear at the Parliament in Dublin, which would also be attended by a bunch of other bishops. Mm. So Ladred showed up, probably, again, his full bishop cosplay. <laughs> and William and Arnold showed up, too, dressed in the livery of the Seneschal. So... Basically, they showed up like Alicent Hightower in her green gown. Like, I mean business. <laughs> uh-huh. This these my clothes are a symbol and yeah. you bet you best beware. Yeah, this is my house. <laughs> uh-huh. Now they both got a chance to argue their case, with Arnold telling the court, quote, As you well know, heretics have never been found in Ireland, which has always been called the Island of Saints. Now this foreigner comes from England and says We are all heretics and excommunicates. Defamation of this country affects every one of us. So we must all unite against this man. Mm. But it was obvious that the case was going to go in Ladred's favor. Damn. After all, there were a bunch of bishops there. In their view, insulting and attacking a bishop or any member of the clergy could not be tolerated right. and was a direct attack on church and God himself. They're like, well, if they stop Richard now, then I won't be able to do this exact same thing later. <laughs> what if I want to do some overreach as a treat? <laughs> 
So Ladred was informed that he could pursue his case against Alice, William, and all the other accused heretics in Kilkenny mm. and basically do whatever he wanted to them. Wow. According to historickilkenny.com, Alice, William, many of her friends and servants were held in medieval dungeons in Kilkenny for the trial, and Ladred ordered them whipped through the streets, uh. after which Alice Kittler would be burned at the stake. But Roger Outlaw, the chancellor and relative of Alice and Williams, had other plans. And in the dead of night, Alice's guards were beaten senseless and she was free. Oh. Other sources, including History Ireland, says that Alice was never imprisoned, that she fled for England or Flanders with her maid Petronella's daughter Basilia with her. Oh, okay. Before they ever got a chance to jail her. Okay. Which kind of makes more sense to me, because I don't know why Roger Outlaw would only free Alice and no one else. Like, right. her son's still there, everybody else that, you know, I just don't I mean, I don't it's know hard why. to free one person. That's very true as you know, well. So. so maybe you just got out, you know, the central character. Right, the one most likely to yeah. be killed, maybe, or something. Right, right, right. I could see that, too. Yeah, or the one that would be the biggest symbol for the church's mm -hmm. power if he did kill true. her. Because again, he's he's like, I got to make sure this doesn't see through to the end or they're going to feel like they can do whatever they want to us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Either way. Yeah. Either way, Dame Alice Kittler left Ireland never to be heard from again. Wow. Flying away on her broom <laughs> with a pointed hat, cackling into the night. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never catch me. You'll never catch me. But her less wealthy and influential friends and servants still had to face Ladred's justice, including Petronella de Meath. Richard Ladred examined all his accused and used the inquisitional law that allowed torture. Because secular law did not. Petronella was tortured into confessing that she had witnessed and participated in devilish rituals. She gave detailed descriptions of Alice having sex with the demon, old Bob Artisan. Oh, Bob Artisan. <laughs> Sounds like um, a Toyota company. <laughs> Bob Artisan's Ford dealership. Petronella also gave details of all the potions and everything that they had made together, her and the demon. She also said that Alice had put magical ointment on a beam of wood that enabled both women to fly. Ooh. And get this, a pipe with ointment on it was found by Alice's bedside, providing Ladred a potent piece of evidence against Alice's devilish doings. But, in a surprise twist that you're probably already thinking, <laughs> many modern scholars believe that this pipe was not actually a magical broomstick or a wand, mm -hmm. but in fact, this cylindrical objects laying on her nightstand covered in a slippery goo was actually a dildo. So a magic wand. Yeah, its own kind in of, its yeah. In its own way. Yeah. <laughs> now look, maybe Petronella and Alice both had never really had any good sex before, so the first time either one of them had an orgasm, they were like, I'm flying! <laughs> Like, I feel, I like, feel I'm like I'm a hundred feet in the air. Or it could just be that Alice actually finding pleasure in sex was enough for the bishop mm. to prosecute and mm -hmm. call demonic, right? Because right. sex was a duty and a chore for women and that they 
undergo this just for procreation and no other reason, damn it. <laughs> so could be that. Or maybe it's just another untruthful, unreliable confession born of torture. As we all know, torture, it does not give you reliable confessions. Mm. So Petronella might have just been saying whatever she thought Ladred wanted to hear, obviously, right. to get out of, you know, being tortured. Okay, seriously. And meanwhile, William Outlaw was arrested as well. Mm. But his powerful friends forced Ladred to bring his sentence down from flogging and burning to a simple penance. Okay. This actually wasn't that uncommon at the time because heresy was seen as a struggle with the devil. It wasn't something irredeemable. Oh, okay. So if you were accused, that's why it was sort of a petty thing. It wasn't meant to be some kind of horrible demon shit. Yeah. It was it was something, oh, you you need to come back to the light. So they would give you a lot of religious exercises right. or, or you would have to go to mass a lot or something in order to like come on back to Come on back to Jesus, Billy, or whatever that reefer madness is. <laughs> it does make sense because if they're like, the devil is the strongest force of evil in yeah. the universe, and it's always trying to convince you to do bad things, and it's very hard to resist him. Mm -hmm. And then somebody does something devilish, and they're like, you're the worst. How dare you? You're right. like, you just said. Mm-hmm. That it's hard to resist this guy. So that, well, that makes sense Well, here we go. This me. is a very human struggle with how much we want vengeance yes. and people to be punished for their crimes right. and how much we want them to be rehabilitated and shown compassion and mercy right. so that right. they can become better. Right. I think we always have a really hard time walking we that do. line. We do. Any line, honestly. Moderation right. is not our strong suit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this is what William got. He was told that he had to hear three masses every day for a year. He had to give food to the poor, and he had to pay to have the roof of St. Canis's Cathedral covered in lead. Were they, were they worried about Superman flying over and like, <laughs> looking inside? Why do they want lead all over their roof? I don't know why they wanted a lead roof. That's a very good question, actually. <laughs> they were like, in case we need a fallout shelter. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Those 14th century nuclear bombs <laughs> might be dropping soon. We well, never know what to expect from the Normans. <laughs> <laughs> but William, all William outlaw, you know, he's incorrigible. And it wasn't long before Ladred heard that William wasn't doing any of that shit. He was <laughs> like, he probably went to three masses the first day. And to the second day. Yeah. And they're like, cut like, it out completely on the third. He's like, yeah, I got it. I heard you the first time. <laughs> Three times a day. That's a lot. It is a lot. I mean, come on. But, I mean, it was supposed to be a punishment, <laughs> so I guess. <laughs> but, but, man, they really had nothing to do back then. Who was holding three masses a day? Listen, the, they did <laughs> nothing but pray, let me tell you. Those nuns and monks, they wake yeah. up at like 3 a.m. just to go pray yeah. very quick before they go back to bed. Ah, the Lord's work. So anyway, Ladred was like, how dare you spit in the face of my authority once again? And he had him imprisoned once more. Oh, this rascally rabbit. <laughs> now, that same day that William was imprisoned again, Petronella de Meath was flogged publicly six times. Her crimes and sentence were read out publicly, and she was burned at the stake for heresy on November 3rd of 1324. Now, considering that Alice and her friends were the first people condemned of witchcraft in Ireland, 
it's likely that the way the case was carried out and the punishments that were meted out to the accused set the precedent for how all other witchy cases were going to be tried from then on. The burning of witches would last in Ireland until 1895. Ladred never explained why Petronella faced such a harsh sentence when everyone else accused were given penances or maybe just whipped but then released. It seems like probably his personal feelings got in the way here and he was just willing to do anything to Alice's closest confidant in lieu of being able to actually burn Alice herself. Mm. Or maybe he thought that this extremely harsh punishment would make the other accused heretics realize that he meant business. Mm -hmm. And it worked with William, at least. William asked the bishop to come visit him in prison, and then he went down on his hands and knees to beg for mercy in front of a bunch of clergy and other people. Damn. Now, Ladred probably really enjoyed this oh, yeah. uh, sight because <laughs> William had had him imprisoned and stuff. So he was like, yes, keep begging me. Yeah. So he did release him. Um, he also increased William's penances. He now required him to visit the Holy Land by the first available boat and increased the amount of the cathedral's roof that he had to cover in lead. Jeez. But in 1332, the roof of the cathedral completely caved in under the weight of the lead. Oh. <laughs> was this heavenly irony? Oh. Or was it a magical reminder that Alice was still out there Consorting with demons and ready to kill again. <laughs> it's probably heavenly irony. <laughs> well, it was probably covering your roof in with lead. lead. <laughs> I feel like that's right there. You've asked for it. But if you listen carefully on a full moon in Kilkenny County, you can still hear Alice cackling into the wind. Uh, looking for her next wealthy husband. So if you're a wealthy Irishman in Kilkenny County, beware <laughs> of witchy wives. Beware of Dame Alice Kittler. Kittler, Kittler, Kittler. Cool. Such a fun story. I love this it's story. Insane. Witches Turkey and stuff. Church weirdos. politics. Witches and weirdos. Witches and weirdos. <laughs> it's this one. And Ladred was such a drama queen. Oh, my God. What a character. He continued to be in trouble a lot of his life, too. He yeah. was in and out of sure. favor with the king and so on because he was such a goody two-shoes. <laughs> you don't just act like this for a little while. No. <laughs> this is your whole thing. Yes. Yeah. This is your whole thing. And he was just so like, how dare. But it seems like he was just very like, just took things really personally. He was very defensive. And yeah. Just was like, Ugh. Well, he's always such, ready to be offended. He's such a good like TV villain because he's one of these characters that clearly nobody likes. Mm -hmm. Nobody actually likes him, but he's managed to like manipulate himself into such a powerful position right. that he's got people backing him up all the time. Mm -hmm. And he has some layers because you know that he's pretty sincere. Yeah. I mean, he probably was, I mean, he definitely had personal feelings, but at right. least in the beginning, he's like, oh no, this is like a real problem for the church. Uh -huh. I've got to like take care. I got to stamp out that witchcraft uh -huh. at the source type, you know, type vibes. And so, uh, yeah, I'm sure to him the whole time he was doing the right thing. I hope after he died, Jesus grabbed him, took him aside and was like, you can't just pick up my bread 
<laughs> and walk and wave it around and tell everybody they can't touch you because mm-hmm. you're holding on to me. Like, I didn't Come ask on. for that. Dude, I am not your human shield. <laughs> your bread shield. Your bread shield. Even weirder. <laughs> also, give me some of that bread. <laughs> also. <laughs> I never took communion. I don't think I have either. I went to a Catholic thing once where they were doing it. I remember being young. And I was like, I didn't know if I could go or not, or if I was, if it was weird, or if I did or didn't. So I think I just kind of slumped down in my seat and was like, I don't think I'm supposed to go. But I was, you know, with a friend's family that went to church yeah, or something. Yeah, my, yeah. my parents never took me. Yeah, I don't. I think I did a similar where I was like, well, I'm this. I'm not sure that this is my religion, so I'm not sure it would be appropriate for me to take part. Right. Right. So yeah, I think I was definitely like sitting there, like, uh, is it weird if I go, or is it wrong, or what? You is know, it weird if I don't. Is it weird if I don't? Is it disrespectful? Or I don't. Do I? I'm like, you know, 10, 11 years old. Do I want to get some of that wine? Kind of want to get some of that wine. Just try it. Even though it's ugh, not good. It's probably not good, right? It's got to be the cheapest wine, right? Uh, I guess probably depends on the church. Maybe it depends on the church. Yeah. There's like really fancy churches with some with excellent like, vintages. Prosecco. <laughs> They're handing out rosé. <laughs> well, uh, this is a great story. Uh, it Yeah, it did have its spookiness because of these witches and murders and... Obviously, the torture and burning is no fun. And it must be said, I really do think Alice was totally a murderer. I think she killed all those guys. No, I I really do think so, (laughs) too. She should have faced some justice. (laughs) Yeah. Because that's the other thing that's a little spooky about this is the class implications. Yeah. Because she was wealthy and she was influential. She had all the right connections. She completely escaped punishment. Yeah. But her maid, who likely, if she did anything... Did it at the behest of right. Alice. Right. Got incredibly punished, like yeah. insanely over the top punished. Yeah. So it's That's it's a little harsh because he knew he could do it to her and nobody would care. Yep. He's like, well, who's going to come for her? No yep. one. I mean, I get the brutal example I get to set. Right. With like no consequences, basically. Exactly. Whereas Alice, the, some of her fa- family and friends could come for me. I mean, all this help Alice got. Over all these years. And she's like the local money lender. How many people you think she was just like, hey, you say what I need you to say. And maybe I'll take a little bit off of your debt there. Good point. You know, very good point. Or I'll give you that loan you've been asking for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She had a lot of power. Yeah, I think so. Yep. The power to kill. And again, like just her family and stuff. And then also all of the emotion about like, this is Ireland. What are you doing here, sir? Yeah. Get out of here. Let us do our own thing our way, even though that probably wasn't very fair either, because as (laughs) we see, she had all her family and friends just like killing all these people and impoverishing these stepchildren with no consequences. (laughs) They're just like, you let us use our corrupt legal system and don't bring your corrupt bishop legal system into it. We don't need two corrupt legal systems going on at the same time. (laughs) I got enough on me hands. <laughs> we don't want to Dublin our troubles. Hey, <laughs> I don't want to be Dublin our troubles. <laughs> wow. Put a cork in it. Oh, <laughs> uh, with apologies to the good people of Ireland. <laughs> As always on this show. Uh, Should have thrown that in the beginning. Oh, uh, if yeah. any of you are still here, we're deeply sorry. <laughs> We're deeply sorry. 
Oh, man. Well, thank you so much, everybody. This was a really fun one. Uh, loved it. I love this story. Such good characters. Those are the best ones. It's just mm-hmm. where these people are just so memorable and they stand out so much and uh, horrible. I mean, I'm not like excited <laughs> that any of these people existed, but um, <laughs> but it is a fun story to tell in its yeah. own dark way. It is. Yeah. It is. So I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Please uh-huh. reach out and let us know your thoughts or any suggestions you may have for future episodes. That's right. Or just anything you got on your mind. We'll yeah. probably read it and enjoy. It's uh, ridicromance at gmail.com. That's right. Find us on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Oh Great It's Eli. I'm at Dynamite Boom. And the show is at Ridic Romance. And we've got one more very exciting Recryptulous to bring you on Halloween Day, I believe. Yeah, so totally. uh, we're excited to bring you that. And then we'll be back to uh, some more typical stories of ours. They're never typical. They're never typical. <laughs> so stay tuned. Uh, we'll catch you at the next one. Love you. Bye-bye. Bye. So long, friends. It's time to leave. But we'll rise again on Halloween's Eve. Put your friends in a vampiric trance. And play for them our show with Cryptilus Romance! <laughs>I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. A rested child is a happy child. Sleep Tight Stories is a weekly podcast that brings comfort and joy to families worldwide with calming bedtime stories. The stories are relevant to children and spark wonder without overstimulation, so they can fall asleep and stay asleep. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For a bedtime routine you'll miss when they're grown, Sleep Tight Stories. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. 
our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.